Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast, where for 30 minutes each week, we talk to some of the most interesting people in the sport. And as usual, today is no exception. I'm talking to a young man who lives up in Alta, yes, that famous ski area, and he's done a number of big projects, including very recently got the FKT and the Wasatch Ultimate Ridge Link-Up outside of Salt Lake City, and I'm talking to Joey Campanelli. Welcome, Joey. Hey, thanks for having me on, Buzz. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, this is going to be fun, Joey, because yeah. you know, a lot of times we talk to people who are famous ultra runners and things like that. And that's not really who you are. You're kind of, you, you, I don't know you, but it seems to me you're sort of a mountain guy who kind of wants to be in the mountains. And well, how would you describe yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of a mountain guy. I mean, I live in the mountains and all I the, uh, dream about or think about is mountains, how to get up them, how to get down them, how to get around them. So, yeah, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So if we go back, uh, for example, on Ultra Sign Up, the Ultra Runner list, I don't think you're on that. So you basically have done no uh, racing? And- no, no, I am. Uh, you have to go my legal name, Joseph. Sorry. Uh, I am on there. I probably have... 15 races starting back to like 2012 or so uh and no good results gotcha so joseph <laughs> campanelli on ultra science yeah. thanks for the tip okay yeah. i think i got third and a fourth once and then uh we kind of joke uh with some of my schema friends uh I, we usually get podium for the mid packers <laughs> <laughs> so you do schema as well yeah well, if you live up Alta, I mean, if you're up Little Cottonwood, I, what the heck? I yeah, guess would you would be remiss if you didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and now going back here, though, you've done a few things. Like you, you did the Appalachian Trail, and interestingly enough, uh, you went southbound in uh, 2017. Yep. Which sort of unfortunately, in a certain sense of the word, was the exact same year that Stringbean really crushed it going northbound. So your southbound FK kind of didn't get noticed. Uh, yeah, uh, he started maybe like 20 days or so ahead of me. So I was about at the halfway point when I found out his official finishing time. So, Yeah, yeah, he, he was right up there in FKT of the year. For doing that, but still, yeah. you're, uh, <laughs> yeah. but your your uh, Sobo time was outstanding. It just sort of got over overshadowed a little bit. Yeah, before Joe and I started, Anish had at fifty four days, and I did just under forty nine. He Joe did forty five and a half. <laughs> right. Wow. Okay. Well, and I actually sorry did about eight, that. Yeah, I did the AT in two thousand fourteen too northbound and i beat the record that year but i took a car ride so i didn't claim it interesting so you did the whole thing you went springer mountain to katahdin finished the whole thing but you took a a brief car ride and so you didn't even claim it yeah i yeah i uh i mean that's a story in and of itself but yeah i i googled uh i think i googled the guinness book of world records uh appalachian trail time and found Matt Kirk's time, the 58 days, uh, eight hours or something. It was like 37 miles a day. I was like, I think I can do that. Took my 
backcountry ski pack and the guidebook and basically winged it. And <laughs> it was pretty, uh, it was a big learning experience. <laughs> well, you went 56 days. You went two days under that. And then yeah. three years later, you went, uh, uh, I think it was what's that five days under. So dang, yeah. you're, you're solid on the AT. Yeah. Well, I, like, I mean, part of the reason I went back was I felt like I had to do it right. You know, I just, the first time so many things logistically, I had no clue. <laughs> uh, it really cost me a lot of time and effort. So. so what, what takes you out there? You said when we started that you just, you link, you think and live and breathe mountains and how to get up over and around them. So yeah. what's up, Joy? I mean, how'd this start? What's, how, how, uh, yeah, why, <laughs> what, what's, how, how does this work for you? Uh, well, I grew up in New York, so I was probably, uh, an hour from, or two hours from the closest trailhead, uh, Appalachian trailhead. Um, didn't really hike it or anything, any kind of, uh, experience it as a kid, but I knew it was there. Um, and I played like hockey and soccer, so I didn't even, wasn't a runner or anything like that. Um, but then I moved, when I finally moved, uh, to Alta, uh, ten, nine years ago. Um, that's when I started running and that's when, I mean, all it is is mountains here. So <laughs> you, you gotta love it or, or leave, I guess. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Good. And so you've been there for nine years, but you yeah. went back. That's different. Most Western, well, I shouldn't say that because Carl, <laughs> your, your neighbor, uh, yeah. went back there for the AT. So I, I take that back entirely. So a lot of people from the West, well, certainly from Utah, go back for the AT. Yeah. I mean, I think like, uh, you know, growing up in the East Coast, you, if you know about it and you, man, like I, I probably hiked on it before and, and I know what the East Coast is like. And yeah, it was definitely more of an intrigue than the PCT to me, for me. Oh, interesting. Right. It never gets out of your system. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. I can see that. And just well, like, and just like Carl, you know, it's like a whole, I didn't really ask for advice, but I didn't take advice. And it was just, I had to learn things my own way. Uh, my first experience. So it is yeah. just like yeah. Carl. So I had him on this podcast. What was it? Two months. I forgot how. We're talking about Speed Goat, Carl Meltzer, yeah. of course. Yeah. And he said that exact same thing. Not, you know, had to find out for himself. And so you, you, you followed in his footsteps. Yeah. I, I find a lot of similarities in Carl. He's a, he's an idol of mine. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Now, Alta, Alta, of course, is famous ski area. The world's mm -hmm. greatest snow is the bumper sticker says. Yep. And that is Little Cottonwood Canyon. Mm -hmm. And the Wasatch Ultimate Ridge Linkup simply circumnavigates Little Cottonwood Canyon. So this, <laughs> you're my looking at the, you're looking out the window at this route. Yeah, I I can see about two thirds of, or half of it. You know, from my from where I am. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, you're the guy to do that. Now we're noticing. Of course, I just spoke with Luke Nelson. Uh, gee, uh, a month ago or so. And uh, Jared, of course, established the world. And then it wasn't in, in, in 2015, he had a you know pretty good time on it, although he established it way a long time ago in 2004. 
but his time is broken in 2018. And then Luke broke it this year, 2019, by uh, just 15 minutes. He took it down by 15 minutes over the yeah. span of over 15 hours. Mm-hmm. And now it looks like you took it down by 18 minutes. What is this? Four mm-hmm. weeks after Luke. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So the, wor- the, the world is heating up. Yeah, sure. It's like global warming. <laughs> the world is heating up. Yep. Well, so you you went for it because it's right out your door. But I mean, how to go? Is it hard taking eighteen minutes down? Uh, extremely hard. Um, it's. I mean, I I uh, run on this route half the time. I run in the summer, and so yeah. I mean, it's always been there. I've worked on it for eight years now. I guess. Um, Oh, you've and, worked on it for eight years. Yeah, like I mean, I think I had the the eight the two ATs and the PCT and a long bike tour where I was absolutely demolished and you know never really made attempts for it. But I made two attempts last last summer um, before Adam actually did it, and um, both I like was on pace and then kind of faded. It was just not the best uh, conditions for me. Oh, so this is just your third serious attempt then, or have there yeah. been more? Yep, no, third. So I've done okay. it twice. I did it twice a long time ago, um, basically doing half of it, going home, sleeping, and then finishing it the next day. So, yeah, that's fair. Yep. Now, what about the technical aspect? So, if you've been hiking the AT, which is you know rooty and rocky, but except for some sections of the White Mountains, not a technical route. Uh, while the world's definitely technical, was that harder for you or is that really fine? Is that what you do? No, it's what I do. Apparently, yeah, like I'm, I'm okay running and, uh, the steeper it gets, maybe the better I am. But yeah, yeah, in technicality, and I seem to get faster than the other guys. So yeah. Gotcha. So what was the hard part? Of the world. So if someone wants, oh gosh, this is a terrible pun. But if someone wants to go there and give it a whirl, oh God, that's bad. Uh, what, what are you going to tell them? Um, well, <laughs> if they want to go for the FKT, um, I mean, I would. Or I would, even, even if they just want to have a good day, if they want to have a uh, solid day and not kill themselves. Well, just enjoy it. <laughs> Pardon. Pardon my pun, but it's a beautiful world, so um, you should just go and, and enjoy it. Um, you know, I think you really want to be comfortable scrambling. Uh, there is some scarier, sketchier parts that, you know, if you're comfortable, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How scary and sketchy are you referring to? Um, well... I mean, I think of like, uh, going up Monte Cristo, there's one part where, I mean, depending on if you get the route dialed or sometimes I go the wrong way a little bit and you can still do it, but you're hanging by your arms and legs. And if you were to fall, you wouldn't stop for 2000 feet, maybe. Okay. All right. That's That's exposure. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. What else is like the world? That you've done anything else? I mean, I don't know. You say that the AT is not that technical, but there's a bunch of 
stuff up, uh, you know, up north that I think is, uh, semi-technical, but I do a lot of ridges. I've done Nolan's, um, and Nolan's is by no means technical, but it's, you know, straight up and down scree fields and such. So, um, that's, that and can did, be challenging for people. Did, did you complete the route, but not within the 60 hours or what? No, uh, I think I just went, uh, just under 60 hours on as well. Oh, good. Yeah. So you're, you're a Nolan's finisher. Yep. Okay. Well, that's, that's a good background. I should have looked that up, but I didn't catch that. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do Jared's run up for air? I don't. I ski way too much to run in the wintertime. Um, and, and, you know, like I think, uh, as all the other AT FKTers or, or those people you ask, uh, you know, it seems like Barclays the next step. I would love to do Barclays, but it's in March and I'm skiing. <laughs> so ah. I could never, I would never do it unless they have it in <laughs> September or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gotcha. So you just, you just stick with schemo until the, the snow's gone. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I ski more than I run or bike or anything. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Well, for so, the listeners, Run Up for Air is a cool event, and I'm just going to call it out right now for that reason. Uh, Jared Campbell started it to call attention to the very bad air quality in the Salt Lake Valley. I think sometimes it comes in around the same as Beijing, which is not good. And Jared used to, and I, I have other friends in Salt Lake area who would go up to Park City and places like that to train in the winter because they had to get above the smog layer. So run up for air has a certain meaning to it, but it kind of gradually built until I forgot when. A few years ago, we got an actual permit for it from the Forest Service, and now it's an official event. And it's it's good. You just get on Grandeur Peak, which is literally on the, I think part of the base of it is in the city limits and you just go up and down as many times you can within 12, 24 or six hour period. And then the proceeds are donated to breathe Utah. So I, that's a full on plug in case anyone's wondering, you can Google this running up for air and starting at, I think it was two years ago. There's one in Colorado. It's held in, uh, outside of Evergreen, which is outside of Denver. And for the first time, there's going to be a run up for air in Chamonix. So running up for air for those who want to participate in uh, supporting Breathe Utah and clean air projects. So you stick with skiing. And uh, yeah, there's, uh, of course, the Wasatch powder keg. There's a bunch of schemo rate. Um, it's the Wasatch is one of the hotbeds, if possibly the hotbed of schemo, ski mountaineering racing in the United States, I think. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Do you do the race series then? I do. And, uh, I went out to the qualifier, uh, for the national team, the qualifiers last two, it's like every other year, the last two times. And yeah, mid pack, I think I got 12th, 11th last year. I got sick before it. And, 15th or 16th, something like that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. so you, you classify yourself as a mid packer, although, you know, the world's really first, solid. First. Yeah. Now, so what does this look like to you, Joy? I mean, you're, you seem like a really happy guy. You're 
totally into it. You're totally happy, unless I'm misunderstanding here. And yet in this sport nowadays, there's a fair amount of sponsorship, which you might not have. Maybe you do. I don't know. So how does this look to you? Do you give a crap or what? How how do you feel Uh, about all this? I don't don't want to downplay anything, but uh, no, I don't give a crap. Um, You know, I think uh, I have a few companies that give me gear and stuff, but nothing, no like real sponsorship. And I don't really care. I mean, I don't know how much time you, a sponsorship requires, but I try to work as little as possible and play as much as I can. So I can argue right. that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And you work up at the, uh, the restaurant, the rustler up at, which yep. is, almost on the national register of historic places. I and mean, that's been there forever. Yeah. It's like a five star hotel at a, you know, 10 star ski area or whatever, however you want to say that it's, it, you know, the, the location is the key part, but it's a nice hotel and, and I work in the maintenance and renovating it, but yeah, it gives me a lot of vacation time because we're not open in the summer. So it's not open in the summer, but you get to still live there in the summer. Correct. It's like oh, the shining. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. It's like, it's uh, 130 rooms, three of us or two of us, depending on the summer. And yeah, they cover everything that so doesn't get dusty. And it's like the shining. <laughs> <laughs> but in the winter, it's a little different because, of course, if uh, uh, the big dump comes in and they close Little Cottonwood Canyon, you're already up Little Cottonwood Canyon. That's called fresh yeah. tracks, isn't it? Yeah, country club is uh, the term they use. But yeah, um, that happens quite often. And uh, the locals really love it or people staying at the hotels who happen to be here when they get stuck up, they love it. So, yeah. Well, the big areas in Colorado are like that. You know, Vail, of course, is on Interstate 70. They mm-hmm. rarely close Interstate 7, as is Loveland Basin, Loveland ba- Valley, and various places like that. And then their destination resorts. So there's what, 10, 20,000 beds, 30,000 beds, 40,000 possibly in some of these uh, bigger ski areas. But Alta, no, 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 that's not a destination resort. It's a kind of a very, very high end. Uh, what's the word? Because there's not that many beds up there. No, I, I would say there's less than. I mean, I don't think we can even get more than six, seven hundred people off Canyon. Right. Yeah. So when they close the Canyon, those six hundred, six or seven hundred people are happy. Very happy. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't close it for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good point. A good point. All right. Well, what's, uh, what's next for you? You probably get to chance to travel a little bit in the summer, but less so in the winter, maybe. I don't know. So what, what's coming up next? What are you seeing? Um, I have no plans. I had come back from a bike tour this summer and wanted to do I – wa- I want to do the Colorado Trail unsupported. Um, hmm. I think that's right up my alley. I think uh, sleep deprivation and suffering is kind of my um, my forte, I guess. And, uh, you know, I think just something like the AT – it's just a long time. You got to get things to go right. And maybe after 30 days, it might be too much on my body, but the CT eight days and you're done. I, I think that's something I could do well. At. Um, 
you know, a lot of smaller routes, uh, Utah 13ers, um, probably want to go back and do no ones and give it a real shot. Um, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Nothing planned though. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Utah 13ers, that's Jared, uh, recently got that one going. That was off the yeah. map for too long. The Colorado 14ers have tons of attention. The, the California 14ers. But the Idaho 12s and the Utah 13ers, uh, not so much. I'm going to say something here, which is nobody ever talks about the Wyoming 13ers. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, maybe too remote. I don't, I'm not all too familiar. Well, I looked it up. I, uh, Peter Backwin and I spent, uh, you know, these in the winter, the nights get longer, the days get shorter, and this is when you start thinking about these things. And we mapped it out and came up with a proposed itinerary, but I grew too old before we could try it. So there's a little gauntlet I'm throwing down. It's almost never been tried. It was tried by, oh, I forgot his name. Oh, man. Some a fellow and his girlfriend gave it a pretty good shot. I think it was three years ago. But other than that, no one... No one's really gotten on the Wyoming 13ers, but of course it's good. It'd be really hard just to be, just to be clear. This is be super hard. Well, we don't like a easy buzz. <laughs> well, that's true. Okay. Uh, so you think there's, you can give a better shot at Nolan's. I like that. And the Colorado trail, Colorado trail certainly is. Colorado not trail, yeah. But uh, it's good. Colorado Trail's pretty, and it's at elevate at elevation, which you already are, so that'd be good for yeah. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you would do that uh, self-supported? Uh, I would go unsupported and try to beat uh-huh. John Zahorian's record, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But I think, uh, realistically, I think his record's like nine, oh, shoot, nine days, ten hours, or nine, something like that. But, um, you know, I think you get closer to eight days. I think it could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not to be cocky, Good. I just think. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you, you got to think that, don't you? If it's, if you don't think it, it's probably not going to happen. Well, and and you know your own abilities and and how much you can push. And like on the ATA, I I wasn't just showing for the record. I was like, I think I can be fifty days, and and I did. <laughs> um, and I had a lot more things go wrong, um, which slowed me down a lot. But then. I think string bean really motivated me, so maybe that helped take a few days off too. Right. Interesting. And then Carl Sabe just took four days down. Of course, string bean it was self-supported, while uh, Carl was um, supported. Very, very mm-hmm. different, but still, he made it. He kind of showed people how to do it in that style, at least. And just like Joe McConaughey, string bean showed how to do it uh, self-supported. Just really. Mm-hmm. You know, no hitches, really. Yeah. And uh, that's, I mean, I, I would put that on the way back corner of my mind of the either going back to the AT for either one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think it's the moving forward, relentless forward motion is how you get those big trails done. There's speed, yeah. yeah, but no, it's really amount of time you spent moving in a forward direction per day. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Joey, uh, what else, what else you think? You're going to stay up there at the Rustler Lodge and li- keep living the life? 
I'm going to live the life until it's no longer the life anymore. So yeah. Um, I ski the, not to brag, but the, the, the best snow on the planet and I ski a lot of it. And, and when it melts, I run on some of my favorite mountains or, you know, some of the best mountains in the world. So, um, yeah, I love it up here. All right. Excellent. That's uh, the old saying, you're living the life. Living the life. I look forward to checking in next summer, Joy. So if you get uh, a few of these things done, keep reporting them. And everyone listening can just go to you know, the website under athletes, pull it down at the top, Joy Campanelli, and you can see what you've been up to. Yeah. And I think, uh, like, I think Pete put it in there. Uh, I have a link. I just like wrote a little blog post about the world. It explains a little more of the, uh, story behind it. But yeah, um, I think that's on there or it's just Joey Camps at blogspot.com. Okay. Well, what we're going to do there, here it is. I'm looking at the URL right now. So that will be on our written show notes. So if someone wants to read more about the world, um, it's going to be in our show. The URL will be in the show notes because we can't really read it off. It's too complicated. So when you go live, um, it'll be on the website and people can look it up that time. Yep. Very good, Joy. I appreciate yeah. you taking the time and chatting. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. It's always a pleasure, Buzz. Thanks. <laughs>